All right, guys, what's up? Uh, just going into and diving into uh, the Passan reaction, uh, just talking about uh, his spot on uh, 710 uh, ESPN radio in Seattle. Um, basically just, you know, expressing essentially the same thoughts as all of us really uh, talking about how uh, he's really disappointed with all of the talent that the Mariners have. Uh, just really disappointed in how, uh, it's been handled uh, this off season, and uh, you know, not being supported as a whole. Um, and so, you know, wanted to put a space together where you know I can uh, I can talk to everybody here, uh, give a space for all Mariners fans. If you guys have any thoughts about this off season, if you guys have thoughts about the front office ownership, anything like that. I'd love to hear from you and your insights into, you know, what's going on, what's happening, what you would like the Mariners to do. But, um, yeah, just wanted to put a, a quick space together, um, just live reacting to uh, to what Jeff Passan said um, on the radio today. Um, I wanted to just play a, a clip real quick that I think encapsulates kind of what, um, you know, we're talking about today. And uh, after the clip, you know, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and I'll give some of mine as well. So um, let me just uh, throw that on and, and we'll live react. I, you know, I just feel sorry for Mariners fans right now. It's a shame what's happening. When you have... Julio Rodriguez in his prime under long-term contract. When you have Luis Castillo under long-term contract and George Kirby and Logan Gilbert under team control and uh, Brian Wu and Bryce Miller and Robbie Ray coming back and uh, Matt Brash in the bullpen uh, along with Munoz. And, <laughs> I mean, I can like I can keep going. JP Crawford coming off a, a phenomenal season, and Cal Raleigh and Ty France. Um, this is the makings of a championship team. This is when you add. I don't care if your RSN is falling apart. This is when you add because this is your window. And to to be blowing, now there's still time. There is still time. But to be blowing this opportunity the way that the Mariners are right now uh, should anger, disillusion, disappoint, frustrate, and, and frankly lead fans to not wanting to care anymore because that's the way that the organization is treating this offseason right now. And, I, you know, I, I don't know uh, I don't know how how low down the blame goes. Uh, all I know is right now the Mariners are feeling like they're handcuffed money wise, and and that's something that goes straight to ownership. They should not be handcuffed money wise. You know what they should have done? They should have said, "Let's go get Juan Soto," and they should have gotten Juan Soto, which they could have done. And then they should have said, "Okay, let's go get another bat." And I don't know who that other bat is, but get another bat. All right. Uh, just wanted to play that real quick. Jeff Passan's spot on uh, 710 ESPN uh, Seattle Radio today talking to Brock and Salk uh, about the Mariners offseason and how it's gone so far, um, or I guess not 
not gotten so far. So, um, you know, I'll give my thoughts, but if you guys want to uh, request the stage, I'm, I'm really excited to hear you guys talk about some of your thoughts. Talk to me about the ownership, uh, front office, where your frustrations lie. Um, and you know, the path forward now, um, you know, the rumor has been $20 million is really our budget. Um, and that's all we're getting, but you know, it, it is a uh, suspect that we'll even get that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts if you have any, so request to come to the stage and, uh, you know, we'll go through some of your thoughts, but, uh, just my thoughts real quick before we dive into, uh, anybody that wants to come to the stage here. Um, uh, you know, it, it's really, it, I think Passan nails kind of the, the overall emotion uh, that Mariners fans have, I think that the ownership group, uh, for whatever reason, has decided that uh, the Mariners are not an investable uh, organization. They don't see a way where they can put even more money in, on the field. Um, you know, the Mariners were number one in profitability for a major league franchise last year. And for some reason, that does not put us in uh, the realm to go out and get a Juan Soto. Um, I think that, you know, obviously if you're DePoto, you're not willing to give up your farm. If you're not getting a commitment from the ownership that you're going to sign Juan Soto to an extension, which makes total sense. So, you know, my thoughts personally, I'm not a big fire DePoto guy because I don't know who else is going to take the reins um, with the Mariners organization and be successful in a spot where you're not given the money that is required to be competitive. You're not given the money to go out and do what you need to do. The things that DePoto can control, the things that the front office can control, um, like farm system, the, the um, you know, organizational um teams within it you know they won multiple championships at different levels of the organization this year and we make fun of you know winning a single a or double a championship but you know those things are trying to build a winning culture throughout your organization so you know i think that personally that's important i think the front office continuing to develop players is important uh, draft well make sure that you're looking out for you know prospects i always give my flowers to depoto rebuilding the bullpen every single year i think that that's a hard thing to do and he succeeds at it um so there's positives there but i just you know the, I, i'm always curious to fire depoto crew um and and how you know, or who they have in mind that's going to pick up the reins and say, hey, we're going to drive this team to a championship while only having a $120 to $140 million budget um, that is good for 15th to 20th in the league, depending on the year. So um, I understand the Root Sports uh, contract and the TV deal is a big factor in all of this. But I also think that they made that decision 10 years ago. So, you know, we're we're in the midst of I also don't understand, I guess, business wise and even coming from a business perspective, the Otani deal and things like that. You can see how those things are going to pay off almost immediately. Right. I mean, in jersey sales and in ticket prices and in just spots that the Dodgers are going to do with Otani, the TV ratings, things like that they're going to make their money back almost two to three X, I would say, uh, based on the next 10 years of Otani, if he plays to the level that we all know he can play to. So, you know, uh, same with Juan Soto. I think that the Mariners would 
reap the benefits of better ratings, jersey sales, uh, anything that surrounds these players that you're getting. It's not that you just pay them and flush the money down the drain. You're requiring not only their services on the field, but their image, likeness, all of the above. So I've never really understood why the Mariners don't go after some somebody like that um, in order to bolster some of their their profits with within the organization. I think that um, the overall thoughts are that we would just be throwing that money away. But in reality, I think that there's a lot of benefit. So again, uh, ICT, you requested to uh, come on the stage. I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, I would love your thoughts on where the mayors are at, your thoughts on ownership, front office. Um, if anybody else wants to come to the stage, just request. And uh, let's talk some Mariners, frustrations, um, silver linings that you may have. I want to hear it all. Um, and, uh, yeah, request the stage if you want to uh, jump on. But, uh, T, go ahead. All right, perfect. Thanks. Um, I, I, I guess I'll just say – that it is kind of nice, honestly, in the days since the Kelnick trade to be able to kind of see um, Seattle reporters as well as national reporters kind of have our back and realize that there's something really, really bad going on here, really uh, disappointing and kind of tragic. You know, um, this is the team that if you look at it in a really pessimistic way, you know, they they've had the they've had some insanely valuable players in Griffey, Ichiro, Felix even Kyle Seeger, who just kind of spent their careers and didn't really get to succeed much, didn't get to go to the playoffs, didn't really get to win a World Series. And so it's nice being able to see reporters recently um, take notice to that and really um, kind of just like raise awareness of what's going on here in Seattle. Now, it's already hard enough to convince players to come here. You, you saw with like Cano and Cruz, those were kind of fluke free agency signings and it only lasted a couple of years because – we couldn't capitalize and then they, they, they left. And I feel like ownership right now is really just shooting themselves in the foot because not only is it, is it already so difficult to, to attract people, but then they're publicly mocking themselves. You know, they're, they're, our, our public images has never been worse, I think in, um, in the last 30 years. And so we're just kind of being drugged through the mud and it's really not making our, our circumstances and our situation any easier um, because it's already hard enough. And so they're really just shooting their, shooting themselves and shooting us. Yeah, I think you make a really good point and something that we actually uh, were going to tweet out earlier and kind of held back. But um, I think that signing free agents is hard enough. You know, it's it's hard enough to convince uh, any player to go anywhere, whether you're in New York, Los Angeles. You know, uh, the Dodgers really had to make a, a really um, – a really good pitch to Otani to even come to the Dodgers and they're historically a uh, winning organization. They had the money and you saw how hard it was to even, um, you know, get him to, to sign there. And so, it, and that goes for every player. It's really hard to um, get any free agents to, you know, want to come play for you, but we're in a window where we're really attractive uh, because we have young players. We have a superstar center fielder and we have, uh, really a a team that is poised to win given the opportunity and given the resources to do so. So um, like you're saying, I think that even if, you know, if, if you were offered um, the same amount of money with the Mariners or somewhere else, um, you know, uh, I would really balk at a long-term contract if I was a player with the Mariners just because you never know right now. 
how committed they are to actually winning into, you know, you know, you're going to get developed. That's one thing that the Mariners have always hung their hat on. Development is a, is a big thing, especially uh, with our arms. You can look at our young arms and you can see all of them have mainly come from um, our farm, you know, albeit uh, Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, obviously big uh, trades and, and Robbie Ray being a big free agent signing. But, um, you know, the rest of our arms are, are homegrown talent that we've, you know, increased their velo, we've increased their spin rates, all of the above. And so it's been, you know, fun to watch. So, you know, totally agree on that point of it's hard enough to bring free agents uh, to Seattle uh, without ownership sabotaging, you know, our pitch to them. So, uh, Patrick, I'm going to I'm going to let you on here um, into uh, the the space so you can talk about the free uh, the free agency period, the front office, the ownership. Uh, T, I'll, I'll keep you on in case you want to uh, add any more thoughts here. And then if anybody else would like to come to the stage, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, uh, you know, your opinions on our ownership group, front office, all of the above. So, uh, Patrick, go ahead. I'd love to know your thoughts. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, can hear you. Yeah, I'm just uh... – been posting this on uh, tw Twitter lately about you know I just think that the manor's ownership is just so narcissistic. They just too much. They're just full of themselves, you know. Yeah, I mean, I the the bad part and the quiet part that nobody's saying out loud is the ownership group is really silent. You know, we're not hearing from them. I'd almost appreciate you know uh, a not even a presser like. How about just like a video, a tweet, something that kind of explains their stance, you know, um, come they to never the do. there's, there's a social media is such a, uh, you know, I, I know that there's a, a dark side to social media, but the, the light side to social media is that every single person can plead their case on pretty much anything. Right. And so yeah. the ownership group has a opportunity to come front and center and be like, listen, guys what you guys are saying, we can hear, we hear you, but, you know, and give their point of view of, Hey, the market's really bad. There's other investments that we're in. The root sports network uh, is, is struggling and we don't know the future of it and, and lay it out plainly for people to understand why we wouldn't be, you know, in this position if those factors didn't, didn't occur. I think that everybody would appreciate that rather than dead silence where, you know, it comes off as we don't care. Like there is no, I mean, it comes off as apathetic, you know, they had the biggest profit in the league in 2022. So, you know, it comes off as they have the money. They just don't, they're choosing not to spend it rather than, Hey, John Stanton might be in other business ventures that may not be as profitable. And he needs, you know, uh, liquid funds, I guess, to keep doing what he's doing. And he has other jobs other than being the Mariners chairman. So, you know, those could totally be happening, but the optics of all of this is just really, really bad. And I, I can't get over it how bad uh, the optics are for not only the ownership group, but just the Mariners in, in general. So, um, you know, I, I hope that changes. I hope that we're proven wrong. There's been some tweets out today that it was like, how funny would it be if everybody's panicking and um, depoto has been working on like a trout buyout um, to where they're putting their money <laughs> where their mouth is. I am very, very doubtful that would ever happen, but, something of that nature where all of a sudden they just like come in and shock the world and find $50 million to go spend and make this team better would be certainly appreciated at pretty much all levels. So, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see the future, although I'm super pessimistic and, you know, that if half the avatars on Twitter right now are sell the team, uh, that, that doesn't tell me that the organization is in a good place overall. Um, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let another speaker on here, but Patrick T, you guys are more than welcome to, to, uh, keep, keep throwing your thoughts out there. Any, any other things that you have uh, in regards to the front office ownership uh, feelings about this offseason. Yeah, just one more thing. I'm 53 years old. It's, the Mariners have been, you know, I've, I've followed this ever since 1977. I lost my father three months ago. He's been a lifelong Mariner fan, and it just angers me that we that he has never seen them went, went, went to a World Series and win one. You know what? I'm in the same boat with my with my grandma. So, uh, you know, she she's a lifelong Mariners fan, has been for the longest time. And it's a it's a damn shame that these Mariner fans aren't able to get to the precipice of, uh, you know, the sport when, you know, pretty much all other pro franchises have either been there or, or won one. So, you know, I'm feeling for you, Patrick, and my condolences to you guys and your family. Um, I hope you guys are doing all right and uh, go M's. Any other uh, thoughts, T, Patrick, any other thoughts uh, on the Mariners offseason uh, free agency or anything like that? Yeah, one last thing. Have you been to a spring training before? Because that's what I'm going to on March. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I've been to a couple uh, in Peoria. Beautiful complex. Uh, you know, the players are, are raring to go and it's the best Best, I would say best environment uh, that the players are more, most comfortable in. And so, you know, they're more open and uh, more, I guess, a, w- a little bit friendlier with everybody, especially the fans during March. I think that by the end of the season, uh, during the regular season, they're a little bit burnt out on whether it's uh, signing autographs or being talking to really anybody on a day-to-day basis, but Peoria is a really special place. They obviously share the complex with the Padres. So, um, you know, you get a little bit of a double dose there and obviously the Padres have some superstars that you can go see as well, but um, spring training, wonderful, wonderful atmosphere and a great place to be to catch some games early in the season. Okay. That's it. All right. I guess just, just real quick, if, if I can, um, I would just say, like, you know, I, I think us as fans, we need to just keep push, putting the pressure on, you know, keep, obviously, if if anybody from the Mariners organization is checking social media, they're seeing this the wave of of negative press right now. And this this dude, John Stanton, you know, he's he's a very rich guy. He's a billionaire. You know, he's on Microsoft boards. He's on Costco boards, Columbia Sportswear. Like, he's he's got a ton of investments. And you're right. Like they're, they're just silent. They just sit there. I can't remember the last time that they've, there hasn't been a time where they've really addressed this issue. And um, uh, frankly, recently I've been, I've started to feel bad for DePoto because all of a sudden it it becomes really clear that in the past few years, like he's just been, he's just been handcuffed. Um, This is what what it comes across as anyway. I don't think that he is making these moves on purpose. It just really comes across that he's handcuffed with money. And so, makes you feel bad for him and it's really just all of this pressure all of this press and attention is just putting the spotlight on the mysterious ownership group behind the curtain like the freaking wizard of oz or something and <laughs> just need to keep putting pressure on and getting them to pull that stupid curtain back to 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 get them to to fix things you know yeah, I think that we're seeing the ugly side of uh, obviously baseball operations here. 
DePoto has uh, a couple of times have said one thing and, um, you know, actions are, are doing the opposite. And so we're seeing the ugly side of baseball operations when a front office is disconnected. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. ...from an ownership group, and it's pretty plain to see right now. Passan commenting on it today pretty much confirms that for us, just because if there were rumblings of a big free agent signing or a trade in the works, you know, I don't think that Passan would come forward and say, hey, you know, this is this is a shame what's happening. I think that if there was something in the works, he'd probably kind of hint at like, hey, you know, the mayors are really trying. They're, they're going out there and having some serious conversations with free agents or um, the trade market, and it's just not happening uh, for them. And so, you know, it's not a lack of, of trying for them, but we're not really hearing any of that. We're hearing, hey, like the chips are down, like the, the Mariners are not going after uh, these free agents. They're not uh, involved in trade conversations other than dipping their toes in the water uh, with some organizations like the Rays, potentially the Reds um, on, you know, some some pretty mediocre additions and really addition by subtraction when we're talking about cutting almost $40 million from the 2023 payroll uh, with Gino Kelnick uh, and Teo not being tendered in another contract. So, you know, I, I, that's really tough to hear, but um, yeah, I, I, and you know, I wish I had more answers, but with $20 million, there's pretty, pretty few options out there that you could hang your hat on and be like, Hey, this is going to be a better team in 2024 than it was in 2023. Um, I guess the one silver lining that I'll give before we hear a little bit more about the organization and uh, the ownership group is the one silver lining is we've cut a ton of strikeouts out of the lineup. Um, whether that makes us better or not in 2024, it remains to be seen. And, you know, just, just making your strikeout rate go down as a club uh, doesn't mean that you're going to win more games uh, and drive in more runs or anything like that. But you can see a clear strategy by the front office uh, to have more balls in play, um, better OBP in 2024, um, and, and try to kind of maneuver or manipulate their lineups to have uh, a specific uh, type of lineup. So, you know, I wouldn't say that's a silver lining, but I mean, you can kind of see that strategy playing out. Uh, I would personally like as a Mariners fan and uh, as a avid watcher of the Mariners to not, you know, not seeing Gino and Teo in the lineup, it hurts a little, but also how many, it, being in top five in strikeouts, uh, having two players in the top five in strikeouts is just a really, really tough place to be. So, um, I, yeah, I go ahead. Gave me the mic. Do you mind if I speak? Yeah, go ahead. Dude, I literally couldn't agree more. Um, that's the saddest part in my in my eyes about all this is Depoto actually made moves early on in the season in the off season that made complete and total sense to the roster if you were going to backfill it with bats. And we know, we saw that it's come out already that oh, two weeks into the off season is when all this rumblings of budget stuff started. So to me, it's just sad because I feel like there was some sort of a plan in place and it literally all changed overnight, you know, and one bad meeting about financials and the world fell apart. Um, but I do want to say one thing, you know, us as fans, we're the only people that can make a difference. I'm some random guy with 30 followers using a burner account and I've already <laughs> posted, you know, multiple things trying to call out the media. The media and the fans are the only people that can make a push. So Tried and true, man. Like you're, you're one of the few Mariner accounts with thousands of followers, and it's awesome that you know we have you and in these other bigger accounts because 
that's the only way to do this right now is to just make our voices heard and try and institute change and get the people like the Mike Salks of the world to, and it's not on DePoto, but if he's going to be the, the dancing puppet of John Stanton, like we, that's who they have to kind of attack a little bit. Um, so I'll be curious to see when DePoto comes back, if he comes back for his show on, on the radio. Um, but that's all we can do is put pressure on people to try and get some, some questions answered, which you've, you've stated already. And I think that's the best, one of the better paths forward is to just continue as fans to show our, our disdain and hope that the people that actually have the connections to the people in power can, you know, use our momentum and, and their platforms to, to get some answers for us. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great way to put it. I think that, uh, you know, the fans do matter. Like you're, you know, you, where you spend your money is obviously your choice. And so, you know, if the Mariners are not going to invest in the team, you know, it's hard to make that decision as a fan to not do the same. Right. So, you know, there's solutions to these problems that the ownership group and the front office has. Um, I don't think that by any means they're out of options or anything like that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's really tough when, when you see a lot of uh, when you see just a, a big, a big gap that needs to be filled, especially uh, with the Mariners who, you know, they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs once in uh, 22 years. We're not talking about a franchise that, you know, has been in this, been in this uh, position before where they've had a great young core. They have an, uh, you know, superstar center fielder. Um, they have, I mean, Relative to, I mean, payroll flexibility, if you're looking at a team, I mean, I, I said earlier, um, you know, I don't know who would take the reins as a general manager and take over the Mariners, but, you know, given the right ownership group, if you if you look at look at the um, status of the Mariners from the outside, we have one hundred nine million dollars in locked up funds for twenty twenty four. You've got a uh, pretty much a franchise shortstop. You've got a superstar center fielder. You've got a captain behind the plate and you've got a top five rotation. Um, and any, any other franchise would look at that and go, Oh, wow. Also, uh, by the way, you have two of the, I would say top 10 relievers in the MLB and you still are only at $109 million um, committed for 2024. A lot a lot of GMs would be, you know, foaming out the mouth to get a hold of a franchise like that with the, with the players that we have on the field today um, to, you know, push it over the edge to go and compete for a championship. I think encapsulating all of the frustrations that we're having is exactly that. Look at how much talent exists in the Mariners organization at the MLB level and look at all the prospect capital that we have in the minor leagues. And you can't tell me that a normal ownership group wouldn't take that and run with it and compete for multiple World Series titles uh, in the next five to 10 years, uh, whether or not, you know, you pay for Gilbert and Cal and Kirby, whether or not you keep all the band together on the rotation. It's not about that. Like we have a window for the next, I would say, three years starting this year um, that we could truly go compete for a championship if given, you know, let's say $50 million and it raises up to about $160 million. Imagine what we could do with a $180, $190 million payroll. That would mean that we can go out and get a Blake Snell. Uh, Cody Bellinger and Jorge Soler wouldn't be even um, thought about. They would be added to our team. You can go out, if you get Blake Snell, it would allow you to get the 
um, rotation. You would uh, it would allow for you to trade Bryce Miller or Brian Wu for a, a Rosarena and Paredes. Like you're looking at a ball club that looks a lot different in 2024, and honestly, one that is a much matured group. But um, as far as what we've seen in this offseason so far, unfortunately, uh, we're just not there, and so. $109 million in committed funds. It kind of makes me puke in my mouth. But, um, you know, I appreciate uh, the love for the Tried and True account. I just want to remind everybody, the Tried and True account is ran by myself. My name's Clay uh, and my brother, Mitch. Uh, we both run it. I'm actually uh, in the central time zone. I'm in the almost East Coast. But um, we're both from Spokane, uh, lifelong Mariners fans. And, uh, you know, it's something that is not going to change with the ownership group or anything like that. It's something, you know, we're, we uh, started this thing together because we love the Mariners honestly we just turned our group chats into tweets so you know we're having as much fun as possible with it and we love interacting with all of you guys my brother still lives in Spokane so um you know we have a blast with this tried and true account I know that we're we're looking at kind of harsher times right now but you know I, I think that once the season comes I I said this in a tweet earlier but you know what we can do is support players. Like the players have no say in what the ownership group and the general manager or, um, you know, the front office is doing, uh, the, the players are, are going to bust their ass. You know, you saw Julio for the first part of last year, really pressing because he felt like, uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of, ton of talent around him and he's not going to say that but you know the there was a ton of people scuffling throughout the beginning of the season and julio struggled as well and it really looked like he was just pressing 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 so hopefully we see um those guys play a little bit more freer this year hopefully ty france gets back even to his uh, a little bit of his old self uh, i saw him i saw he's training at driveline with jp this year so that's exciting and if we can get a consistent jp France, Cal, and Julio, you know, that's that's a really good good core. I agree that obviously we need more. I would not like to see Marlowe and Canzone start on our opening day roster. I think that they're great uh, depth guys. I would love to see them get their spots hitting against uh, righties um, especially, but you know, that's, that's just kind of where the cards fall right now. Uh, I know that everybody saw our, uh, it wasn't us that created it, but Rado posted a, uh, or they have, if you go on like Mariners 2024 lineup projections, Rado wire is like one of the first that pop up. And so we posted a screenshot of what, um, they have for the Mariners projected lineup. And, uh, you know what, I'm actually just gonna, gonna, tell you guys what they have for our per, or it's Rado champ and whether or not they're like uh accurate or not probably not but um the projected 2024 lineup as it stands today is jp crawford julio cal ty france Cade marlowe luis Arias, uh dominic canzone Taylor Trammell and Josh Rojas uh, rounding out the nine spots. So uh, having those nine, it, it uh, you know, it'd be shocking to go in to the 2024 season with that lineup. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that we probably at, at the very least shore up like a DH spot and somebody to take regular at bats rather than Trammell. And I'd be shocked if we didn't sign a corner outfielder to at least play for Cade or Canzone, depending on how we're feeling. But um, yeah, as it stands right now, that 2024 projected lineup is uh, pretty spicy and spicy in probably the worst way possible. So uh, we'll see how, how that pans out. Kind of unfortunate that we're at this point in the off season where we feel like 
the the bad thing about balking and in the beginning of the offseason is that you start to pr- probably have conversations and probably start making desperation moves towards the latter half of the offseason that you wouldn't have made before. Um, I don't know if the front office likes um, Jorge Soler. For whatever reason, maybe they don't like his uh, defensive statistics. Maybe they don't like his mobility, whatever it may be. Um, there's certainly not a hitting statistic that you you look at and don't like because um, he he certainly lights up Statcast for sure. So, um, but using Jorge Soler as an example, I don't know what the Mariners like and don't like when it comes to player evaluation this offseason uh, for trade packages or free agents. Uh, but I do know that the later you get in the offseason you start making decisions that you wouldn't have made in the beginning of the offseason. And, you know, we make fun of them whiteboarding a lot. Uh, once you get deep into the offseason and you start getting closer and closer and inching closer to um, the pitcher and catcher report date, you start panicking a little bit about your projected lineup um, and especially a window of opportunity where the Mariners should be winning. And I can see them uh, potentially, you know, going out and getting a guy like a Justin Turner or somebody that they don't necessarily think fits the roster um, to fill a spot that they missed out on a bunch in the beginning of the year. Maybe it's a pitcher that they that they were not as high on, but thought they he might, you know, add a couple a couple WAR, or maybe it's a, a corner outfield spot, maybe a third baseman that um, they take a chance on that you know was kind of low on their list, but. You know, the further we get in the offseason, the, the less confident I am in them building a true championship caliber team. Um, and we all know that that starts with the ownership group. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, every day it feels like there's something something else in Mariners land that we have to in order to complain about. Jeff Passan gave us all the fuel in the world today. Um, I still love to hear uh, other people's thoughts. Um if you guys have any more thoughts on the ownership group, on the front office, um, even some some trade packages that um, you want to talk about, maybe a free agent that we haven't mentioned that you want to uh, you know tell us about. Um, you know, we I, I ran a space last night and people were talking about Josh Naylor and a Rosarena. Um, and if we, if we, what our thoughts were on those, those trade packages, I think Naylor, just to recap, I think Naylor would take a King's ransom, to be honest. He's a super low strikeout rate guy, um, high average. Uh, he, he's would probably cost, um, you know, a, a couple of prospects plus a, a back end starter for us right now. Uh, people were asking me if Jose Ramirez was a opportunity with Naylor. I, I think the guardians would literally, uh, want DePoto, um, DePoto to give them, you know, a Gilbert and a back end starter plus a couple of prospects, which, you know, if you're in that position, you kind of have to have to make a choice whether you're going to re-sign Gilbert. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to Logan Gilbert, Cal and Kirby, I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign all three. Um, and if I had to guess, I would probably guess that they throw a bag at George Kirby, rightfully so. But that probably means missing out on re-signing both Cal and Gilbert. We'd be lucky to sign Cal. I think Gilbert for sure is one that we most likely will not re-sign. Um, and if that's the case, if that's the current thinking, I don't know why you wouldn't include him in a potential trade package to a team that you could, you know, potentially get a Jose Ramirez type. I mean, if you're looking at something like that, that that would be 
a major, major upgrade in a spot on the field that you're pretty weak at right now. I think we're projected a 1.2 war in 2024 at third base right now with a, a platoon of Urias and uh, Rojas. So that'd be a, a tough watch. But um, yeah, if you have any trade packages, any thoughts about the ownership group uh, or the front office, we'll keep this going for the next uh, eight, nine minutes, and then we'll we'll hop off here. We're going to do spaces a lot more often. I also want to uh, promote our live streams going to go uh, live a lot more often um, next year. So we're actually going to be doing live streams streams during Mariner games. So you can hop in the chat. Um, you know, if you're part of our tried and true community um, on X, you can also jump in and uh, we will potentially add you to the streams. We, we always like to include as many Mariner fans as possible. Um, but um, yeah, we're going to run live streams while Mariners games are going. So we can live react to, um, any game, uh, but we're going to do that about once a week, um, if not a couple of times a week. And uh, yeah, watch games with everybody and enjoy some Mariner games, whether or not the ownership group actually pays uh, for a championship team or not. We're going to support our boys. So, um, you know, the one lucky thing is Julio Rodriguez is a Mariner for the next 14 years. So uh, barring anything catastrophic, um, the ownership group sucking, the front office not doing their job. Uh, we have Julio Rodriguez for the next 14 years, and that's pretty damn exciting to me. Um, and yeah, so any uh, anything else from from anybody that wants to speak on the ownership group, front office, free agency, um, even the current team? Any anybody have like a breakout player that they they want to hang their hat on? No. All right. Well, hey, we uh, we'll probably end it a little bit early today, but thank you guys so much for for joining us. We wanted to live react to the Jeff Passan news, just uh, the the Hello Darkness, my old friend, uh, spot that he did on Seven Ten ESPN. Uh, but thank you guys so much. Make sure to click the uh, community in uh, the Trident True profile and uh, hop in there. And we have about 500 plus people in our community. We talk a lot more Mariners, a lot more live reactions to games and things like that in our uh, X community. You don't have to go anywhere or anything like that. Um, all right. It looks like we got one request here. So we'll take a, a one last request here and then uh, we'll head out. But let's uh, hear from uh, Pacific Northwest sports fan. What do you got on the ownership and the front office? Looks like you're muted. Oh, sorry. Um, you're good. Looks like the Royals are kind of buying. What do you think about going after like a Vinny Pasquantino or a Nick Prado type player to play some first base, cheap, club control, and what do you think we'd have to give up for someone like that? Yeah, I think that those are honestly um, Jerry DePoto's favorite two words, club control. So. Um, really you look down any roster, whether it's the guardians, the Royals, um, the Rays, and you see any club control, most likely, um, the Royals have some, they actually just signed a, a reliever, uh, today, but they, the guardians and the, the Royals have some veteran relievers. They're a little bit older in age, but they actually don't have a ton of service time. So they're still in arbitration for the next few years. Um, we'll actually post a couple of them after the space and just kind of uh, do a little recap. But I wouldn't be surprised if we do go after Naylor or one of the more interesting bats on those teams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they include a back end reliever that uh, 
that potentially would fill some of the void of uh, some of the relievers this last year. Um, you know, a seawall, things like that. Although Paul's going to be tough to replace, I think that you know we there's a couple of options there. But Prado would be would be great. I think you know at, at this point it's kind of you know it's like eh, right. It's like I, I'm looking for splash. Honestly, like we have. We already have like a two war guy at first base. Everybody likes to dig on France a little bit. I know he's uh, uh, slow as hell and hits into way too many double plays. But to be honest, uh, I, I think that it's going to be hard to upgrade Ty France unless you make a, a little bit more splashier of a, a trade um, that's going to include somebody who can really play a good defense at first base and it can hit for better average. Fair enough. Makes sense. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining the space. We'll uh, continue this later on this week, but thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys later. Bye.